Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, z It's me, Dr. Z. Today, we're having a lot of fun. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Dr. Angela Bymaster and her husband, Brett. Now, the reason we're having you guys on, and this is just so awesome, because I've always been talking about like, hey, what about bright spots? We talk about health 3.0 and transforming healthcare and the alt-middle and, you know, trying to actually do a ground-up, like, clinician-led transformation of healthcare. And then people are like, well, so how do you do that? And I'm like, well, these guys are doing it. (laughs) So Angela and Brett are running a clinic um, in San Jose, California, which is neighbor to me, called Healing Grove Health Center. What they've done is nothing short of remarkable. (laughs) They've actually combined a direct primary care model, which is one vision of Health 3.0 that I've been talking about for years, with a care model for our poorest, most vulnerable, uninsured patients. And they did it, they started it, during a pandemic. Welcome <laughs> to the show, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> so Thanks, happy you to be here. Man, so you know, you guys, God, you guys are such an adorable couple, by the way. Just look at them. <laughs> look at them. I gotta show you, I gotta show, I gotta show people something. So you, you came and you were just like, oh, by the way, this is our family. Look at this. <laughs> Most family. beautiful family you've ever seen. Tell me a little about this picture. So yeah, so our um, oldest children are all siblings. They're from South Sudan, um, and they came to us as teenagers. Um, and then my grandbaby Chelsea girl is there in the middle, and she's the <laughs> cutest baby in the world. Um, and then Nehemiah is our biological child, right there in the middle. And um, yeah, we have um, been together for goodness since two thousand and eight um, that we've had this. So our, our grandbaby Chelsea, she's two now, and uh, she's our personal cheerleader. So when I walk <laughs> in the house, she literally jumps up and down and says, "Grandpa, grandpa, 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 grandpa." And so she's actually they're they're in Africa right now, um, uh, visiting people. And so I've been asking my wife to do the cheerleader thing while she's gone, and she <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't do it. Doctors don't cheerlead. No, very they, well. d- they don't. She doesn't say husband, 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 right. husband. <laughs> <laughs> kind of disappointed. <laughs> so, so it's funny because Angela, you trained at Stanford like I did. Well, sort of. I mean, I think we pretend to be connected to Stanford. It's yeah, the Stanford yeah, O'Connor yeah. program. We never actually went to Stanford, but yes. Family medicine. It's family medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got our own hospital. And you finished in what, 2006? Um, I started in 2006, finished uh, in 2009. Got it. Now, you were always kind of drawn to doing a different type of care though. And wh- why is, tell me a little bit about your backstory. Yeah. Um, for... 
a lot of reasons, um, mostly spiritual reasons. Yeah. I've just been really, really connected with wanting to care for the most vulnerable in the community. And um, yeah, so I started out actually with Valley Homeless Health Care. Um, so working for the homeless program for the county, um, was there for six years. And then I worked at an FQHC in my neighborhood, um, working with low-income Latinos for mm. five years, and then finally started my own clinic. Um, and I should mention, we live in a low-income neighborhood as well. And and you you felt always kind of drawn to that, both of you, right? Through your your spirituality, your religion, Christianity, the call to help the poor. Yeah, you know, Jesus. Uh, we're, we're we're big fans of Jesus, and, and he had this <laughs> he had this habit of like hanging out with you know poor people and messed up people and the people that everybody hated. And so, you know, for us as Christians, we said, well, what would it like look like for us to to do that? And so. When we moved into San Jose, we looked at a, at a poverty map and we just picked the poorest neighborhood in the city. And, you know, send our, we, we send our kids to the to the poorest school in, in Silicon Valley. So we used to have the only African-American kid at an all-Mexican school. Now we have the only the only white kid at an all-Mexican school, um, which there's some funny stories that you, oh, as yeah. you can imagine. Well, like, especially with our young, our biological child, when he was born, he like grew up in this family where... Everybody was black who was a teenager, and everybody was white who was an adult, and he like was trying to figure it out. So we we we'd love to just screw with his head, and so we'd be <laughs> like, "What what race are you?" You know, and so he's like three, and he'd be like, "I'm Mexican or I'm black." And so when he wow. turned four, you know, we were like, "What race are you?" And and he goes, "Well, um, right now I'm Mexican." Um, when I get tall, like, and he points to his brother, when I get tall like him, I'll be black. And then when I get old, I'll be white like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we all, we all laughed so hard. And we were like, we were like, you know, that, Hey, that makes, that's so logical. <laughs> old people are white in his family. And, and teenagers are black. And, and then we realized afterwards that we never corrected him. Uh, and so I think it, I think it so took him still a, thinks, no, I think no, it took he, him a, he figured it out. It took him a oh, couple he, of years to figure <laughs> <laughs> that, we were so busy laughing. At it. <laughs> that, that, that's amazing. You know what, what's, what's amazing about this story of yours is it's so, you know, we talk about alt middle and all this. We talk about transcending these like very petty divisions that we have, but you guys are actually walking that walk from a spiritual standpoint, right? This idea that, hey, JC was kind of down with the poor and, and you actually said, hey, here's a map. Instead of what everybody in the Silicon Valley does, which is um, where's the best, most richest, whitest school because the Bay Area is very segregated. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, super segregated. Right, it is. Yeah. And and it's it's just kind of a it, it's been getting worse over time if if anything. You 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 did the opposite. You said we're going to go right into where's where's the zip code that's probably going to have the the most poverty but then by extension the worst health, right? Why is right. that? Why yeah. is why are those correlated? Yeah, so I mean obviously your your people know all about social determinants of health and how you know you see those pie graphs and you got like this much is what medical care does and then like most of the rest of the graph is like everything else and it's like the fact that my neighborhood had no parks until you know actually just they built one so that was good. We have a park now. We have one park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know like our our zip code is 80% Latinos, um the vast majority of lit which live in the bottom quintile. Yeah. One zip code, not or one. I, I'm sorry, one census block over, like literally five blocks over, eighty percent of the population is white, and most people are in the the top quintile. Willow Glen. Willow Glen. Yeah, yeah that's right. I've and, been there, and I've had their 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 thin crust pizza. It's delicious. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
the life expectancy difference is six years. Oh my God. Our people die six years earlier and, and literally we're five blocks apart. Yeah, you know, it's not about air quality or, you know, like yeah, the you're sharing. environment. Yeah, we're in the same place, but it's everything else. And, you know, and so I guess, and it's different for every group of poor people a little bit. Um, and so part of just living there is also experiencing all of the things that everyone goes through um, in um, in a way, you know, every time that they pass over the neighborhood um, in terms of, you know, road improvements or parks or anything like that, then we're a part of that. And yeah, I mean, we're walking our kid to school and he looks down into used condom on the sidewalk because we have a lot of prostitution. And he's like, Daddy, can I play with that balloon? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you can't play with that balloon, you know, or, um, you know, a few weeks ago, there was a shooting right in front of our house. And and. <laughs> the shooting happened at 4 a.m. The cops show up at 7.30. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then we're walking out and, and the cops are tagging <laughs> the bullets on the street. And we're like, evidence. You know, he's like, like oh, casings yeah. on the street. He's like, mommy, what's that? And we're like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, because if he finds out that, yeah, he's yeah. going to. And then he's five not blocks gonna... away in Willow Glen. Yeah. The pinky is extended while sipping water. Yeah. So, so, so this was clearly like a deep calling for you guys. And what's interesting is, but you'd worked in the sector taking care of the poor in the federally qualified health centers, the FQHCs that you'd mentioned and all of that. Were there frustrations there? What was going on with that? <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. It was extremely frustrating. And I was, you know, I just, everything about it was, it was it's, it's a little hard to even describe it. Like mm. um, there was a lot of problems with administration and organization and, you know, a lot of times we wouldn't even see patients because the people in the front desk would just answer the phone. I could hear them saying, oh, we're busy today. Why don't you go to the urgent care? We got nobody in the waiting oh my room. God. We're just sitting there. So I it's think like they a just, VA scenario. They here. just <laughs> didn't want to do any work, I guess. I, I And I just, you know, everything, there was holes in the floor, like half the time the fax machine didn't work. We were constantly having temperature excursions with our vaccines. I mean, it was just like, I felt like I was living somewhere else, you know, somewhere where that like did not have enough to actually provide care for their patients. And yeah. this isn't universal. There are great FQHCs out there yeah. um, that do really beautiful work who have really good organization. But for some reason, I just ended up in a bad situation. And that and that sort of triggered you to go to the next thing, which is interesting because then now, so Brett is not a doctor. What's your background, Brett? So I'm, I'm an electrical engineer. So I, um, I did like 15 years of analog circuit design at Silicon Valley startups, um, which I loved. And I, I, for most of my career, I worked part-time and did so part-time engineering to to make money and to pay off her blood, bloody God, medical You know, soul. they're just an albatross, I, aren't they? I, I it's it's crazy. So I'm, <laughs> these doctors. I'm not a doctor, but I but I paid I paid <laughs> for the degree. He so I think that, that that should give me something, right? Um uh, although I am a very bad patient. She's always trying oh, to yeah. fire me. I have fired him so many times. Yes. From your own practice? From my oh, practice. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's only so many urethral swabs you can get away with. <laughs> 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 so, so as she was coming home and complaining about the FQHC, what I'm thinking is like process, 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 process. Yeah. Like the engineer, like, like where's your, where's your process? How are you using systems thinking to like solve these really hard problems? And, you know, the reality is that that when the government gets involved, they put a bunch of constraints on you so that you can't use system thinking. So right. you can't like really design systems that are set up to 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 give great quality care at scale. 
Yeah, and I think it was really easy for me to be judgy and frustrated and stuff when I was there. And since then, now that I'm actually a little bit administrating my own clinic, I'm realizing so much of that was like really put on them. So it wasn't yeah. like, oh, these are bad people. Yeah. You, yeah. Should, was... you should share your nickname, oh. your judgy nickname. My judgy nickname. Which... Her, her friends used to call her judgy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I did not deserve. No, actually, I really did. It, it's, yeah, I, she does. Man, I, if, if, this is, if this is Christian care, I want a part of it. I, I'm yeah. ready to sign up. Yeah, JB. Yeah. No, but I was, I was super judgy. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, well, it's because somebody was making them constantly report how many mammograms we were doing. And of right. course, our EHR sucked in a right. really big way and couldn't even tell us how many patients we had or anything at all. And which I also... Decide. I wrote a skit about it because I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was just so frustrated. Like, it was just the inefficiency. And so it was, yeah, She's time to such start a my hippie own. doctor. When she gets frustrated, she, like, writes skits. And it's, that, it's that, weird. That's extremely family medicine right there. <laughs> you know, like, what happens when a surgeon gets frustrated? They throw a scalpel <laughs> at a tech. <laughs> like, family medicine is like, I wrote some slam poetry. Um, I'd, li I'd like you to hear it. And we actually have to we, remind me, we got to read some of your poetry. But, yeah, so so... So you so you had all those frustrations you recognized as becoming an administrator because I did that at my clinic and I man I was like these administrators I tell you they're breaking us all and then you go become one and you're like oh my god the constraints and the horror and the trying to keep the lights on and trying to do the right thing for different masters right just it generates mm -hmm. that moral conflict that moral injury right so mm -hmm. you somehow launched into that yeah so um yeah so basically um I mean, the the truth, if you want to know the truth, we just yeah. felt called by God to start a clinic. Sure. And, and we were like, okay, let's do it. But we know nothing about starting clinics. And, you know, I'd been like flirting with the DPC idea for a long time and sort of like reading stuff. And, and you know, it's also very family medicine to love DPC. And and so I was- Direct primary care for people yes. who don't know. Yeah. And we and, have lots of videos on that. You can check them out on our website. Yeah. Yeah. So we just started kind of Googling, how do you get involved with starting a clinic yeah, literally, you know, we 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 have a, a friend that's got a really strong prayer gift, and he came to us and said, "Hey, I think I think God's calling you to to start this clinic." And there's this uh, there's this really crazy passage, the very end of the Bible, Revelation 22, where God's painting a picture of what heaven will be like. And there's a throne, and out of the throne is coming a river, and the river's flowing through a city, which is really important. And the river's crystal clear, right? And that represents like what God's vision, you know, we have a river flowing through the middle of San Jose. Guadalupe, not crystal crystal clear. Oh yeah, it's Filthy. a little bit milk murky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, and then on each side of the river, there are these trees, the leaves of which bring the healing of the nations. Mm. And so he stopped there and said, that's the vision. And so he said, you know, the name of the clinic is gonna be Ojas de Sanidad, which is in Spanish, the, the leaves of healing. And, and you're so we gonna, looked at each other and we're like, we're not making the leaves of healing medical like, clinic in the middle of San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> not the audience. It's, 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 it's I mean, yeah. I, lots of people will come, but they're going to be so mad. We actually, the, the, the word medical is involved. Yes. Uh, yes. Also something else. Yeah. We actually thought about starting a, uh, a like covert rehab center called the Lisa Healing. And when they come in, we're like, well, we don't have marijuana, but would you but like? we do have Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would get beat up every single day. <laughs> So, so the Healing Grove Health Center is the the non marijuana translation of Ohaste Sunny Dad. <laughs> I see, I see, I see, yeah. and that's how the that's how the germination of this idea, the Healing Grove Health Center, started. But yeah. now, this is where it gets really interesting. And again, we're kind of painting this. We didn't cut to the punchline. Like we're building a case here. So it's very easy to go. Oh, I'm going to take care of poor people, and then very hard to do. 
you came up with a very unique solution that seems like it's pulled right out of something Jesus would have said, if my limited understanding of the Bible is correct, <laughs> which is, hey, there's people with means and there's people without means. Mm -hmm. And it turns out one of the greatest things you can do as a person with means is to be compassionate towards those who have less while still actually helping yourself too. Yeah. And so what's your, what's your model here? Yeah, so either Jesus or Robin Hood or Tom Shoes or something like that. Yeah, so basically, you yeah, um, if people want concierge medical care, they can come. They, we give them really good care. They pay $200 a month, and then that pays for them and two low-income people to be able to receive care. So, so when I heard this, I was like, oh, you guys have to come on the show. Because I was like, this is a, this is a brand new conception of how you fund care. Like everyone's talking about, well, maybe the government should just uh, single payerify the whole thing and then everyone will get the same crappy care. Yeah. And uh, physicians will be miserable. Patients will be happy, but because until they have to wait in line or whatever it is, you know, and, and yeah. hey, maybe that's an answer. I'm not taking that off the table, but I'd say this, wait, there are plenty of people here who are 200, 200 bucks. So that's 2,400 bucks a year you get the doctor's cell phone, mm -hmm. concierge level care mm -hmm. from a wonderful doctor. Yeah. You know, with yeah, a great I'm sense like of humor. Texting with people's doctors at Stanford, they're specialists. I'm like coordinating care. I'm saying, hey, he feels tired. It's not his heart this time. It's actually his neurological condition or whatever. You know, and the, I'm able to do my primary care thing and like be the quarterback and run the show. But you know, the, what it looks like to the patient is, yeah, they're getting great care and they aren't waiting and they're not making those phone calls themselves. And we're charging the same price as a normal concierge clinic. That's right. So MDVIP is right at our price point. That's right. So, you know, what we do is, uh, so, so our, our model is 300 paying uh, patients and 600 low-income patients. So a total panel of 900. And then we just pay our doctors crap. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it all works out. So, um, you know, we, my wife and I are actually just committed to retiring in poverty. Um, so our, we, we think true, our, we think our. going to get more people to oh, join us. I, did I say we crap? Were, I we weren't supposed to say that. Oh, the, I, the, I, I sense that you're joking, but I'm, I, you may not be. So how is, how, well, let's, let's dive into that. A, a panel of 900. So 300 high maintenance concierge where they have your cell, right? But of course mm -hmm. you can provide amazing care with, to 300 patients, mm -hmm. right? And then 600 that had nothing. Yeah, totally uninsured. And but this the beauty is, is they're all getting concierge care. Yeah. Right. So so here's here's what's great in a normal in a normal poor people clinic you get a lot of well they're poor it's you know yeah they come and wait for two hours they should be grateful for what they, they, they should get be. you know what the poor's need to wake up and recognize that we're giving them a gift exactly now, that's literally what it feels like just yeah. a, a <laughs> absolutely shitty healthcare you right know? so we we talk about there's wealth care by the way I don't think I approve of that language oh well <laughs> sorry. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Just let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Um, she's a much better person than me. So um, maybe you are too. I don't know. I don't know you that well. Probably. I, I would it say most likely because I know you really well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were saying that even the even the um, the 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 poor patients get this concierge yeah. level care. So you know, there's there's. <laughs> we talk a lot about the American healthcare system is the most segregated part of modern society, where the wealth get wealth care, and the poor get poor care, ah. and the 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 poor care really is poor. I mean, it's really terrible care, and so um, uh, you know, in my when we originally talked about this, you know, we're we're really into serving the poor, and so we thought, well, you know, what we want to do is we want to raise a bunch of money and have a philanthropic, you know, charitable uh, clinic, charitable mm -hmm. clinic. Mm -hmm. 
And I actually had this like really cool experience. I, I read the whole Bible in seven weeks. Just wow. all at once. At a, in a refugee camp in Uganda. It's a long story. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funky. Wow. Um, and it wasn't an audiobook. It wasn't like no, 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 no. Milton Berle reads the Bible. It was reading it. Reading it yeah, and taking yeah. notes. And and what I realized is that that Jesus did a lot of healing and he healed mostly the poor, but not exclusively so. And so that's where the idea of this model came from. And um uh, you know, it's the idea that, hey, if our care is so good that some rich guy is going to pay $2,400 a year for it. Um, if we have a wealthy patient sitting right next to a poor patient, we're not going to give different care to them. You can't. Because you, you no. just can't. You can't. So what this system it's does is- It's all in the same it, exam rooms. It's the same doctors. It's the same everything. It holds us accountable to give concierge care to the poor, right? Wow. And that's what they need. They need it more. They need it more. They need yeah. it more. They need relationship-driven understanding this, you know, yeah. it's everything we talk about in Health 3.0, rehumanized yes. analog care that takes time to know that unique patient and their mind, body, soul yes. issues, which is part of your yes. mantra. And, and evidence-based. You know, yeah. we, we're we giving them the very best of, of modern evidence Western- evidence-based makes sense. Yeah, that's well, true because sometimes it sometimes it doesn't apply to that patient. Yeah. You have to know, you have to have the grace to know when to mm. violate whatever randomized control trial that was done in white people you're going to apply to this exactly. little old oh, yeah. little old lady. That's so true. Right? Uh, yeah. uh, is there evidence-based Christianity? Ooh. Right? Maybe we should forge a new do path. You know, I actually think it would be super fun to do a bunch of clinical trials and studies. Like I'm not a researcher. I'm super super far away from knowing how to set up studies. Too much of a hippie. But yeah. Like about, yeah. I mean, I know there's been a couple studies about prayer and stuff, but wouldn't it be fun to study spirituality, like like scientifically? There, has, there so have been a lot then. of studies and the evidence is great. The evidence is there, you well, know? It, you know, it, 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 it's just mind, body, spirit is just obvious to any chaplain and they have to go across denominations. They mm -hmm. just know this intuitively. Yeah. And, and I think we kind of let that piece drop off in medicine a little bit much. Now, well, so one question is, do people who come to your clinic, if they're poor or rich, do they have to be Christian? No, absolutely not. Mm. And we love different perspectives. We love just anybody walking in. And we always, what we say is we say, hey, we're a Christian clinic. We would love to pray for you. We would love to invite you into these different kinds of, you know, prayer nights and, and different kinds of spiritual experiences if you want to, but it's optional. And, you know, if you just want to just, get your biology taken care of and that's it, you know, that's fine. Yeah, that's some people okay. are just like, I I think that's total BS. I don't right. have anything to do with it, but I want somebody to care for me and yeah, that's fine for us, great. you know, that's great. Man, that's, that's kind of awesome. So where did all this like tolerance and hope and joy come from? Is this just who you are? <laughs> do you know? <laughs> it's because we actually read the Bible. Yeah. Oh, what? You Ooh. actually read it? No, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was probably. That was, that was judgy. Probably, that was, that, You're yeah. going to get Now he's the judgy bitch. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Judgy man bitch right here. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love it. You know, and so so let's let's dig in a little to the to the logistics of this, because other people here who are watching, they're like, okay, you know what? I, either I'm a person of faith or I'm not, but I wanna do something like this. Yeah. How well, can I yeah. really quick tell just like two stories to sort of demonstrate how it works with the mind, body, spirit Even together? Better. Okay, so we had one patient who, um, she was volunteering with us. So COVID, the COVID was such a disaster in our neighborhood, and we can talk about that if you want to. But Please it was yeah. there. Everyone lost their job. Everyone was poor. Everyone was out of food. Everyone. It was just a huge mess. And so we had this crazy, like ghetto food distribution system that we set up that was 
awesome and we didn't really ever want anyone to inspect us, but it was amazing. <laughs> Can we edit that out? <laughs> Got food so how much expired people. cans of food did you yeah, hand don't out? Ask. No, no, no. There's no we we was good food. It just it just might yeah, not yeah. have always been refrigerated. Anyway, so it was great. It wasn't that bad. Um and so we had a lot of volunteers. So one of the volunteers um, ended up getting sick. A, a lot of the people got sick, right, in our neighborhood. And But this one particular volunteer ended up getting sick with COVID. And her whole family had gotten it. They, she wasn't really our patient, but, you know, her they they were all volunteering and helping out. And she, she had gotten it, Her someone in the family. Of course, everyone lives in these large families in small spaces. Someone had brought it home from work, and then everyone got everyone it. Everyone got it. Everyone got better except for her and her sister. And so they were hospitalized and um, mm. and then they ended up um, getting in the ICU and they were very sick. And so her husband and her son would come over all the time and, and we would just pray with him. And of course, he couldn't go see her. Mm. And he was Spanish speaking and he would call the hospital, but no one, you know, they, he couldn't get anyone to talk to him in Spanish and they, he couldn't figure out, you know, how she was doing. He never just, he didn't know what was going on. And so she was just gone and so we would you know so we did the sort of concierge thing of just like okay i'm gonna pretend like she's my patient and i'm gonna call and i'm gonna you know he's giving me permission to like ask how she's doing and then i set up you know i'm realizing she's not doing well i start mm. sending up family meetings and we get in there and then they're talking about ecmo and all kinds of things and and there's no translator there so we're bringing in translators and we're we're um getting them in there to see her and um, and that even at one point, you know, I I just really asked the team. I said, could he, he ended up? She was clearly going to die, mm -hmm. and I said he just wanted to give her one last hug. And I just said, could we make that happen? I hundred percent know he's not going to get COVID from her. They all had the same strain of COVID. Like I tested them myself after. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had it on the same day. And, you know, I was just, and of course, they did not allow us to do that. But it was like that <sighs> trying to humanize and, like, ask for those things that, you know, you know he's never going to forget that for the rest of his life. And if he could have just had some closure with her, mm. um, that would have made a big difference. And, you know, being able to, you know, just help people to even enter the hospital, even know how people are doing in their family. It, and then just all of that prayer. And then afterwards, we were able to give him a certificate from the the county that just said that, you know, they had valued her contribution as a volunteer during COVID. And, you know, just mm. being able to constantly just honor her memory and, and um, continue to support him through all of that. Um, was something that the clinic was able to do well. And I think without us there, like he would have, she would have just disappeared and there would have been no communication. And that, I'm just like, it's amazing. That's being a shepherd. That's what primary care was designed to do. And yet, and it wasn't designed to do that. It was what it was meant to do. It's what it's, we, we were called to do for our patients. Yeah. And you actually can do that. And this thing about dying alone has been, we're gonna oh, look man. back on this oh, is one of those things that, oh is just a, it's a stain on the moral fabric of the country. And we, we really ought to be, you know, held accountable for this behavior because it's it's unconscionable, yeah. you know? So thank you for fighting for that. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, we tried it, but at least he got to look at her through the glass and mm -hmm. you know, there were things that he did get to do and he was able to um, have a, a piece of closure. The other story I wanted to tell is a, a, a man who came in, he, he was just dragging his foot and, because he was clearly had some kind of neurological problem, and he was accompanied by his son, and you know he was just kind of 
asking if he could get care. He said, someone said you would help me here. And it turned out he was uninsured, Spanish-speaking, um, and just didn't know where to go. But he'd been getting progressively weak in both arms and one leg um, over about two months. And it mm. took him a while to come in. Then by the time, you know, it, of course, he's uninsured. I'm thinking, oh, I need MRIs. I need, you know, I need a lot of things. And But... You know, we're really passive aggressive and we are able to like call a lot. Oh, and- you should hear her working <laughs> them on the phone. Like, I swear to God, that she'll be on the phone and she'll be like, oh, I understand. So he's not going to get an MRI. So that means that we're just going to let him sit in my office and die. And, nice. And, and, then, and then there's just this long pregnant pause and they're like, so they found oh. a way that was awesome. They found a way <laughs> like, to get an MRI dang, for him. Um, and yeah, they, be- because, because a lot of your time must be spent coordinating care for uninsured because that yes. was our thing at turntable too. It's like, yes. it's one thing if you have our care, but now we have to get you other care. Yeah. 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 So, so, so keep going. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. Yeah. And the County is lovely. They just process things slowly because sure. they have so many patients and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and so we just have to get that guy to the front of the list because it's really urgent. And he ended up with a, a big old tumor in his spinal cord oh and um and you know county did a great job got it out you know we just were able to move it fast at valley yeah valley yeah um his son had quit um school in his senior year he was at a uc um because oh. he had to drop out because his dad couldn't make any money because he you know the family was really really poor but he had like through scholarships and really hard work he'd he was a senior in college. And wow. so he was home again. So we immediately, like, in addition to the medical care, we were like, hey, join our men's group. Hey, you know, and then we got the son volunteering with us and getting some, you know, just healthcare hours. And and he's been great. And he's going, you know, we helped him figure out how to work out his financial aid so he can go back to school. And, like, everything is just, like, the whole family. You know, we got them financial aid to help pay their rent. We got a whole bunch of stuff. To um to make their lives better in more ways than just the tumor, and he's gonna be fine. So 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 that's health three point oh. It it's it's you know we call the social determinants of health right. That's the wonky way of saying people's lives matter. Like their how they live matters probably more than how they're born with their genetics and all that, or at least as as much. And but we have no you know because in this country we've you know kind of medicalized all our social problems, and so here's someone who's actually solving them with the money from people who are well off and are willing to pay for great the same great care. Yeah. Like this seems to me. Now, so I have a question though. So how how does this really work out? Like are you absolutely broke? Like can you make a living as a doctor doing this? Cuz I know the doctors that are watching are like, yeah, but I bet she drives a, you know, um, oh, kind of you know, just a Tesla Model 3, which is the <laughs> oh, Honda no. Civic for the Bay Area. No, we actually rode our bikes here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All the way from San Jose. Yeah, we, we took the bus. <laughs> the bus. So 12, 12 transfers on the way here. Valley, tra- Valley Transport yeah. Authority, yeah. For, for people who don't know in the Bay Area, riding the bus anywhere uh, here on the peninsula is is a fool's errand. So it, it's- Well, let's, let's talk business. Yes. So here's, here's, you know, we, we, we had this idea, we were trying to figure out how can you actualize it. Um, and so, you know, at the beginning, we, we didn't know we were going to do this kind of model. So we were just like, we want to, we have this idea that we want to care for both the wealthy and the poor. Yeah. And so we got connected with, um, a, a, uh, faith-based charitable clinic consulting group called Echo. Uh, and they provide uh, free services to people that want to get a clinic started and they're awesome. So they, they really helped us. They'll give you like an action plan. They helped us kind of actualize a plan. And they're and, free. And they're free. They, they so they help you own. for free. Yeah, yeah. they're wow. amazing. And 
that, that we got a lot of ideas, but we still couldn't figure out how to like we kind of had like you know uh, DPC ideas, and we, we couldn't figure out what was going what we would do. And then we came across there's a clinic in Modesto called St. Luke's mm. that's a Catholic clinic, and they've actually been doing the model that we're talking about for for ten years. Um, and you know they got it up and running. Um, they figured out like the 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 compliance situation really drives you towards providing terrible care. Mm. You know the our the 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 compliance framework that we have in America needs a doctor to see a new patient every twelve point five minutes, and the goal at the end of the visit. I mean this you you know you guys know this better than me, but but really the goal is is a billing code. Yeah. If you generate if you if every twelve point five minutes you generate a billing code. It doesn't matter if your patients die or live. Nobody cares. Mm. You got a billing code. Everything's good. Mm. And so operating outside of that model is is like really, really difficult legally. Yeah. And so we um, really struggled with, so in California, there's anti-kickback laws. There's a corporate practice of medicine. That's right. It is really, really difficult. And so St. Luke's had figured out an incorporation structure that makes it legal to do this in the state of California. Ah. And that's the key. And so we actually have we actually have two corporations. We have a, a nonprofit foundation, and then we have a nonprofit social purpose corporation. And then we got an, an attorney. You know, if, if anybody in the DPC world, there's a guy named Jim Eshing that's an attorney that does a lot of work in concierge and DPC care. And we have a very carefully crafted uh, patient agreement right. that allows us to operate compliantly as a as kind of a concierge DPC practice. And, and and see, people don't realize this because we have to do this for a turntable in Nevada. It was the same thing. You can be considered an insurance company That's right. by taking a flat fee for patients, which is insane. Like these yeah. regulations, while I'm sure they were well-intended early on anti-kickback and all that, now come back to stifle innovation. That's right. This is a true ground up clinician and partner clinician by proxy, <laughs> led, <laughs> led innovation. And by the way, I have to put a serious point on that. We physicians are good at what we do. We're not necessarily good at business. And, and, and so having some yeah. people to help, whether it's Echo, whether it's the attorney that you mentioned, and we'll put links to all this stuff so that people can click through and, and discover this. You know, we work with a company called Hint Health that yep. has been on the show before yeah, with yeah. Zach and those guys. Oh, we, we, we have Hint. We, we use, use Hint? We use yeah. Hint and Spruce. Fantastic. Um, That's how you bill, right? Using right. Hint and keep your patient lists and all that right. yep. patient relationship management software. And so there are entities that are doing yeah. this and they're empowering people like you to do this amazing work, that, like the stories that you told. So this can be done. Like this is a true bright spot yeah. that you can shine a light on. Yeah, and it it's, it, like I said, it, you're, you're fighting against the system to do it. It's an uphill battle, but it is doable. And, you know, all these different people have kind of, kind of, you know, forged the path. So, you know, economically, our model is tough because we're trying to we're, we're trying to come in at a normal concierge price. But right. in, a, in a, most concierge clinics, they have 600 paying patients on their panel. So wow. we have half of the of the paying patients. And so, you know, we're able to, you know, our. Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you wanna be a part of this community and support the show, 
join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. We could, I think we just talk about numbers. Our, our yeah. physicians are getting paid 90 to 120 an hour. Okay. Which in the Bay Area is is probably sixty or seventy percent of of going rate. Right. So they're not, you know, they're they're not living in poverty. Right. Um, but they're not driving Teslas. Yeah. Right. I could make a lot more today if I went and you know knocked on Stanford's door. Anybody like that? And um, but it it's it's a trade off, right? So in my world, what I get to do is so valuable that I don't need as much money for. And it. you know. Yeah, she's only making whatever, 100 bucks an hour, but she's not suicidal. Exactly. You know? And that's what I was gonna say. Like, you you came here with like this light in your eyes, excited, like there's an energy with you guys. Yeah. When a lot of doctors come here, they're just, you know, they're, they're defeated <laughs> before they even start. Yeah, well, I felt that before. When mm -hmm. in my other jobs, so I, have felt, I. I have felt that feeling. And I remember, okay, this is really weird, but one time I went to the like Martin Luther King like museum in, in Memphis and they had this whole thing about slavery. And I was looking at all these pictures of slavery and I like felt like some kind of attachment to it that I was like, this is very strange. Can we, can we cancel her for saying that? <laughs> you're, you're canceled like, just for saying Martin Luther King and I being mean, white. Like, you gotta be kidding me. I know it's, it's, it's not it, everyone's same. a privilege, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. But, but I felt like, why do I like feel so strongly connected to all these pictures of slavery? And and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't feel like I have any freedom at my work. I don't feel like I, I have ideas. I know what my patients need. I just don't feel like I have the freedom to actually go into that healing space with them in the way that I really know I need to do. And um, I was, you know, like now, I, you know, I used to just do all these well visits and all these like, you know... I'll, uh, visits with my, me and my stethoscope and telling people not to eat their, you know, pizza and eat more broccoli. And it, it just was such a waste of time. And now I can just create a sports program for all the kids in my neighborhood. And like, boom, I just solved a whole bunch of BMI stuff, a whole bunch of like connection stuff, loneliness, like all these things that were connected to the reasons for their poor health that and their poor health outcomes. And it's like, that is freedom. <laughs> okay. All right. Look, um, Yes, because freedom in my mind is the capacity to be authentically who you are. Our current medical system squashes the authenticity out of every single person that goes into it, unless they're authentically a robot, which some are, <laughs> <laughs> some are. Some are authentically cyborgs. We've all, we've trained with them. We know who they are. You could probably unplug one wire and they would just but, but And they get really rewarded. And they get rewarded. And you know what? We need- God bless them. We need them. Yes, yes. exactly. And, and uh, but, but for everyone else, this opens up this kind of freedom. So do you have to make a ton of money? Now, one thing I'd say is, 
part of the reason I wanted to have you guys on the show is not that I want to advocate everyone give up, you know, 40% of their salary to do this work. Although for many, that will be compelling, especially post pandemic where we've all suffered so much, this introspective time when we go, do we really need, you know, like I, I basically stopped doing a lot of what I was doing to hustle for money, like trying to find sponsors and trying to do this and trying to do that. Because I'm like, you know what? I have enough that my family's happy. Yeah. I love what I do. I don't wanna have to be inauthentic pitching some garbage. I'm just gonna do this, right? But I bet you if, you, if your kind of model kicks in, why can't we take this some of this government money that's being squandered and actually go, you know what? Here's a government subsidy for poor people that to help pick these kind of clinics and in a capitated way, yeah, and you have to show some you know reasonable signs of outcomes that matter and, to patients. And, and we're we're doing that. You know, we 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 have gotten a lot of grants. We are taking capita capitated um, uh, medical reimbursements. Okay. So here's our rule: um, we will only take money from the government, like grants, if it's something we were already going to do. Ah. So in other words, we're 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 really refusing to process to prostitute ourselves to whatever right. whatever big grant comes along the way. And right. you know, there's these huge HRSA block grants you can get that are, you can get a lot of money, um, but they come with big strings. Oh yeah. And, and so, um, you know, we, we we did join an independent physicians group and we are taking yeah. capitated Medi-Cal reimbursements. But it's because we want to keep families together. So we have all these uninsured parents and they have kids who have Medi-Cal. And mm -hmm. I'm like, if I'm going to write a referral or anything at all, like Medi-Cal needs me to be the PMD. And so I can... I can do that. It's but so. we're probably not going to get, you know, they 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 give you all these bonuses if you do what you're told. Yeah. And my guess is <laughs> we're probably not going to do what we're told. So, we'll, oh, so we're going to throw those in the trash. But the key is the key is in our, in our model that that's not our primary revenue source. Mm. And you're ultimately you know, you're ultimately enslaved to your primary revenue source. Right. And our primary revenue source is taking care of our concierge patients. And that's what we, that's, that's, that's our accountability, right? Yeah. And that's a great, that's the kind of accountability that I, that I want. That you want, yeah. You know? And the beauty of the model is, you know, if there are Christian physicians out there that are excited about this, getting a philanthropic free clinic off the ground is really tough. Cause you got, you really do have to raise a couple million dollars. Yeah. And it's tough to get that first check when you don't have a proven track record. But if there's a physician that has, that's in private practice, that has two or three thousand patients on their on their panel, the pitch is, hey, I'm I'm leaving, six months, I'm done. Okay, uh, I'll help you find another physician if you want. I have this new gig, and it's two hundred bucks a month, right? All you have to do is get ten percent of your patients to convert, and boom, you got a funded fully model, funded clinic, right? Yeah. And then you go raise money for construction costs or whatever you need. You go to your church, you go to your community groups, you go to your yeah. friends, you know, doctors. And then you can doctors. take care of whatever uninsured people you want. Yeah. Like in our neighborhood, it's Central American refugees. And like our friend is going to start one in Sacramento, another healing grove. And he's got a whole bunch of Syrian refugees over there that he's really excited about providing care for. Uh, it could be homeless people. Yeah. You, you, you figure out, although homeless people is a little tough because it's hard to have homeless people and wealthy people in the same clinic. How does that waiting room look? Yeah. Um, well, in we, yeah. so first of all, we don't we don't have a waiting room because mm -hmm. we don't we believe don't in waiting. Wait. Oh. I hate waiting. You know, you go to the doctor and they they shove you. I, I hate this. They give you this big set of forms to fill out, and you fill it all out, and then you walk in, and some MA asks you the same questions that are on the form, <laughs> and then the doctor walks in and asks you the same questions on the form. Are like, what? You guys are illiterate or something? Yeah. yeah like, what's what, going on? What's yeah. I hate that. And so you wait for like an hour. The doctor like knocks on the door and then they don't wait after they knock on the door. They just right, barge yeah, in, they yeah. ask much questions. You get three seconds with them, then they leave. Everybody. So 
in the audience is a doctor. So just <laughs> only, only, tone only, it down. Only 20% of them. I, I'm sorry. I'm no, not really sorry. Yeah. We, so, no, so we, we love to get angry. We, <laughs> <laughs> so what we say is the doctor is waiting for you. Yeah. Instead of you waiting for the doctor. So we don't have a waiting room. Yeah. We have a welcoming room. Yeah. We have a, a pastor that sits in the welcoming room and it just has the most amazing. Yeah. So, so my front desk is a pastora named Lourdes oh. and she's from Honduras and she is so good at just loving everyone who walks in. So she does sometimes more than I do, you know, cause she's just, she, you know, it's I go in there and, and we're talking about their blood pressure or whatever. She's already talked about all of their family and how everyone's doing and what they're worried about and their worst fears. And she is like covered it all. Uh-huh. And so then, you know, later we'll kind of compare notes and, you know, I'm like, Oh wow, you kind of, she prays did for more him. than I did. It's, it's, she prays for him before they get to the doctor. Sometimes by the time they get to Angie, the problem's already solved. So it's, it's like, like a pre-pray situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like pre-prayed healthcare. <laughs> exactly. Pre-prayed healthcare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so you know, we do have we do have um, you know, poor people and wealthy people together, but it's not like I mean, I think you think of like a, a free clinic, like there's a bunch of Poor people like, like an alcoholic, their... like barfing on you. Or right, something. right, right, yeah. right, right. It's not like that. No, right, right, no, right. Poor people actually aren't as scary or gross as what? they're, they're kind of normal. No. <laughs> yeah. So every yeah. everything I've learned is a lie. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh man. Even homeless people, I think, are lovely. Um, and sometimes you can. Like, I didn't need a TV when I worked at the homeless clinic because, you know, I would just come home from work and I felt like I had learned so yeah, much yeah, about yeah. the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was good. It's really true. Yeah. How many maggots can you grow in a leg? <laughs> right? you know, there's really, I mean, right? I, that, sometimes I had serious. to excavate through a lot of stuff right, before right, I found right. the f- whole leg. And oh, then, yeah. I, I mean, as, as a physician, homeless, taking care of the homeless was one of those things where you learned everything about medicine, yeah. you know, and, and the human condition. And you were like, where has my compassion stopped now? Like, that's a check. Like, do I still love this person and care about mm-hmm. their their, their well-being, yeah. right? Or am I so jaded now at year three of residency that I'm just like, oh, you know, dispo to street, you know? Right. And so it's a constant thing. And, you know, we're being authentic and honest. It's so hard yeah. to maintain that level of love. And only, and, and I tell you, there was a point where I had a nadir of yep. it and then it, then since then it's just been growing because you again when you're allowed to be you yeah. the the walls you build around yourself start to start to come down i think it's also when you're able to actually do something therapeutic for them mm. it makes a big difference i think if people who are in the er i have a ton of compassion for people who work in an er and they just see one after the other and people like repeat 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 and they aren't able to do anything really tangible for the person yeah and so i think that that's why you build the wall because you're just like i can't help you therefore you're bad right you know because that makes it Uh, more like i and i've definitely been there and um and i think like what has helped me is in the times where i can say like oh my goodness your impossible situation is impossible and why don't you come to prayer night and let's just pray about it, you know, let's, or, you know, or like, wow, you're $8,000 in the hole on your rent because of COVID. Hey, good news. We got a grant for that. And we're going to pay off your rent debt. Like if you can actually solve a problem for someone or like bring them into a place of hope, like that is so gratifying that like all those walls of like, you're bad because I can't help you. Yeah. It's important to say we're at Healing Grove. So our, our doctors, you know, are, are, 
Healing Grove CEO was the founder of the Santa Clara County Valley Homeless Health Program. Wow. So we have, that's kind of where our Expertise, roots are, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but we're not working with homeless people at Healing Grove. So homelessness is like a cliff, right? If, you, if, if you're one step away from a cliff and you take a step back, it's pretty easy. Mm. If you take one step forward, getting climbing back up that cliff is really hard. So we're working with the families that have not fallen off the cliff ah, yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the extremely, you know, the, the, the extreme working poor. Yeah. So our, you know, our average family at Healing Grove makes $27,500 a year. Wow. Living in Silicon Valley. Impossible. Yeah. Paying $18,600 a year in, in rent. <sighs> Man. So you do the math. And then, you know, it, that, that's, you know, for COVID for us was such a disaster because they went from that to our families. We, we survey, we do a lot of surveys and data analysis. So in um, April, our average family was making $220 a month, Ooh. but the rent didn't change. And by August, April they were- April 2020. April 2020, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By August, they were making less than a thousand a month. And so, you know, they just got, they got crushed. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we worked, I mean, we've, we've done $5.5 million in financial aid to more than a thousand families in the past eight months. And that's all about keeping them, uh, you know, keeping them, we, we, they got, they got a, a centimeter from the edge of the cliff, wow. you know, and, and just keeping them from falling off the cliff. And that's grant money that you're using to do that? It's, it was a lot of grant money, but we, philanthropy, grant money, um, stimulus money, just all sorts of right, churches. Right, right, right. right. Um, and, we, we did a lot of financial aid uh, at the beginning. We're moving more and more towards jobs. Yeah. So right now we have uh, 45 people who lost their jobs because of COVID and fell behind on the rent who were actually employing. Oh. Um, and so we have a two month work program. We're providing free janitorial to local nonprofits. And then this is really cool. You'll like this. So obviously food insecurity has been a, a huge problem. So we right now have a crew of 28 people. We got a $1.4 million grant from the city of San Jose. We're hiring 28 people to distribute food. So, and all 28 of these people lost their jobs and fell behind on the rent because of COVID. They're distributing food to hungry families that lost their jobs because of COVID. We've done 96,000 grocery packages Holy in the smokes. past six months to about 20,000 families. So we've been able to operate at scale using using it as a tool and in all the people in the work program they get their you know uh food handler certificate they get covid janitorial sanitizing certificate forklift training driver's license wow. resume so they're getting skills, skills as well yeah. yeah yeah and then you know when their diabetes are out of control then that's her her problem yeah but see this is the great thing about healing grove and like you know doing this kind of work is we're not saying like oh we need to give everyone you know get their mammograms done and get their A1Cs done and stuff because that's what the government tells us to do. We're saying, <laughs> what are your problems? There you go. What are your needs? Yeah. And, you know, right now it's joblessness right. or whatever. And then, you know, and a job gives you money, but it also gives you so much dignity. Uh, it gives you friends. It gives you something to do during the day. Purpose. It gives your kids notice that you're like leaving the house and coming back. And there's so much to that that's just really, really tremendous. Oh, my. Yeah. And, and for the listeners out there, we're raising money. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a, pulling this off. That's a good. That's a good segue. Easy. It's a good segue because I think your model is an instructive. As we run out of card, let me just double check that because I realized I put I put the wrong recording card in your box, which means we're going to be run out at about an hour and something. So I have to just keep an eye on it. But I was going to say this because I want to have you guys back and just 
dive yeah, deeper into some of this stuff because there's so much to talk about. Like there, before the show, we talked for like five minutes and I was like, this is five hours of discussion <laughs> of so much stuff that people could learn from. The, the, the action item here is you can do this if this is, if you feel called to do this, you know? And yes. that's action item one. Action mm-hmm. item two is you don't have to wait for the government to try to fix healthcare. We can do it. It's hard. It's not easy. You've made that abundantly clear, but it's doable with enough passion. And that passion feeds right into the authenticity. We get to be who we are again. I mean, you guys light up this whole room just by showing up. And it's not just because you look like a Christian rock band (laughs) against black. (laughs) Like one of you just needs to point like this and then then we'll just come up with a good title. (laughs) And, um, and, and, And that you have, we're gonna give resources to Echo, we're gonna give uh, links to your clinic, mm-hmm. any other links you give me. And then the fact that you're raising money means people who, in the, especially in the Bay Area, who yeah. care about this can donate to you. So we'll yeah. put that call to action because I think what you're doing is lovely. Yeah, and we would love for you to come and see it too, if you want to. So, okay, we wanna, okay, we need to do Healthcare 3.0 at yes. Healing Grove. And uh, uh, we would love for you to come and hang out with our people and um, so we Let do them these. Vomit on you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not those people. Well, well, <laughs> you can, well we, we can do one of each. Okay. So so we want we want you to come and hang out with our patients and 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 do a show at Healing Grove, but then uh, we do these things called Luke fourteen parties. Okay. Huh. So um, uh, Luke fourteen, Jesus says when you uh, have a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your rich neighbors or your friends. Instead. Invite the poor, lame, and the blind, mm. and your your reward will be at the resurrection of the righteous. And so, so you're saying I'm poor, lame, and blind? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Well, you might be. I don't know. <laughs> Two out of three ain't yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we do is we we just go out in the homeless camps, bring a, bring a barbecue, and just sit down and eat eat a meal with them. Uh. And it's a great way to like it. It's not you know we don't it's, bring a bunch of stuff to give away. Yeah, just it's not transactional. And... It's not like, look at me, I'm helping you. It's like, uh, yeah. let's just be together. Let's yeah. just hang out. So we'd love for you to come down. Yeah, if you hang want, out at Healing Grove, or you can meet. see the sports program, or you could just kind of see clinic for a day, or Listen, whatever. Listen, this is how all great inductions into a cult begin. <laughs> you know what? We're having a great party. There's going to be a little bit of Kool Aid, and uh, you and just we'll go sacrifice ahead. Sacrifice something on this. That's right. Barbecue. How many, how many children do you have? Do you really, do you really need that many? Because you know. <laughs> wow. No, I, I'm totally down to do that. That would be wonderful. I mean, you guys are neighbors. It'd be great. And I think we should follow up this show because there's so much. We're going to get a ton of questions and stuff. And I there's so many other things we talked about that we really need to dive into. Uh, that I think would be lovely because I know the questions are gonna come up in the comments. So when we do the follow-up, we can dig into that. And then I wanna keep hearing about your progress because this is this is Health 3.0. Why do we have to wait for anything? You can do it, you know? It, it's beautiful. And we're not the only clinic doing this. So no. if you talk to Echo, they can give you a whole bunch of clinics around the country who are doing really similar stuff. So this isn't, it's not even as rare as it seems. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Road trip. <laughs> The, the, the three of us in like a Winnebago. <laughs> That's not a cult thing. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Guys, it's it's such a joy, such a joy. 
Really, thank, thank you for you the so work much. you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for thank the work you. you're doing. And we'll share this widely. ZPAC, you guys know what to do. Share the video, leave your comments, leave your questions. Tell us stories in your community where you're seeing bright spots, things that I should look into that we should shine a light on with this show. Um, we'll put links everywhere and we are out. Thank you guys. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community really. And we support and love each other and share again through our own experience how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.